Hello, this is Dan Linna. Welcome to Law Technology Now on the Legal Talk Network. My guest today is Catherine Crow. Catherine is the founder and CEO of Digitory Legal, a cost prediction and management platform. Digitory Legal uses artificial intelligence to transform and analyze billing data and create predictive pricing models for complex legal work. Before founding Digitory Legal, Catherine practiced law for 17 years, first at Simpson, Thatcher, and Bartlett, and then as a litigation partner at Oric. Catherine, I'm pleased to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dan, so much for having me here. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Well, thanks. I really look forward to our conversation. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors. Thanks to Acumas, patent and trademark renewal payments made easy. Find out how Acumas.com can take the stress out of annuities and save you money on European patent validations today. And thanks to our sponsor, Logical, instant discovery software for modern legal teams. Logical offers perfectly predictable pricing at just $250 per matter per month. Create your free account anytime at logical.com slash LTN. That's logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash LTN. And thanks to Headnote. Headnote helps lawyers get paid faster with their compliant e-payments and account receivables automation platform. To learn how to get paid quicker and more efficiently, visit them at headnote.com. That's headnote.com. All right, Catherine, why don't we start with, you're the founder and CEO of Digitory Legal. Can you just tell us what Digitory Legal does? I'd be happy to. So Digitory is a cost analytics platform and service that's really focused on bringing data-driven cost prediction and practice management to law. And we do it by leveraging data in practice management or e-billing software a lot of which is pretty dirty or poorly structured, and we transform it into actionable insight that our customers, who are both law firms and legal departments, can use in a variety of ways. They get, it helps them understand what very complex legal work should cost and why, create accurate and well-scoped budgets and alternative fee arrangements, project manage very, very effectively, communicate better around, around costs, and really generally excel at the business of law. So if we think about this from the perspective of a corporate legal department, I mean, what kind of problems are they trying to solve in the corporate legal department when they, when they ask you to work with them? Corporations right now are, are really looking for value and predictability, but without sacrificing quality of service and outcomes. And, and we use data to, to help them achieve that. The best way I, I can describe it from the client's perspective, um, if you'll indulge me for a minute, is by using yeah. a construction analogy. Because when you think about it, especially from the buyer's perspective, you know, buying legal services, particularly for complex work, has a lot in common with a large construction project. If you don't scope it right from the beginning and really measure and manage all the way through, you end up with a money pit. And so the cycle that we use data to break kind of goes like this. You're, you're the buyer of legal services, just like you would be if you were trying to create a house. You know your outcome, you know what you want, but you may not know exactly what it takes to get there. So you get a few recommendations, you get some high level bids, they are sort of versions of it depends, and you get going and something happens because something always happens. So in your construction world, maybe it's bad weather or you wanted to add a garage and nobody told you how much that would cost. And at the end of the day, 
you've got your beautiful house, but you're mad because it costs too much and it took too long. And so really what we do is use data to break that cycle and to make that relationship better. And so you start at the beginning. That quote shouldn't be a high level. It depends. It should have the activities in it. It should be well-scoped. It should be based on data, data from similar situations. So bad weather, if you're going to have bad weather, you can look at the bad weather costs. Project manage. Um, when you add that garage, there should be a number around it and, and a quote before that becomes. It shouldn't be a surprise. And we use data to add accountability and cost transparency because that which gets measured gets managed. And so giving visibility into what the value is that you're getting um, using data. Um, and so you end up with the same great results, the outcome, but it costs less. There were no surprises and the relationship is stronger. And so that is the cycle from the client's perspective that that's the experience they want and we use data to give it to them. Well, so I'd like to take a deeper dive into using data analytics more generally. And we can first, we'll first talk about predicting costs. I'd like to also talk about drawing your experience as a litigator, thinking how you might use data from a litigator's perspective and thinking making predictions and matters. There's a fair amount of talk about some of these topics, but there aren't a lot of opportunities where I feel like people kind of start getting into the nuts and bolts of how do we do this, but also the, the why, right? And some of the other opportunities beyond just, I think, I think especially for five or 10 years ago when you heard this topic come up, maybe especially if you're the lawyer in the law firm, you'd be like, this is the last thing I want to talk about, <laughs> right? And, and this is not going to go anywhere that is good for me, right? And, uh, but let's, let's, I would like to, in this conversation, talk about, well, how can we do it? But then what are some of the reasons why, if you're the lawyer, even in, in the legal department, when your client says to you, we want to go down this path, why you should say, yes, I want to go on this journey with you. And there's, there's benefit in, in both of us being on this journey. Well, there's, as you know, my background it was a, a litigator for a long time. And a lot of the passion behind why we do what we do came from that experience of, particularly as a partner, having to answer that how much question in really, really complicated situations of litigation that is bet the company high stakes stuff, and then live with the answer over time. So that is very, very difficult, but it is also absolutely mission critical. I mean, once upon a time, you got to say, it depends, but those days are over. And so if you are not really understanding the business needs of your client, you cannot truly be their trusted advisor. They need you to answer business questions for them because they ultimately answer to a business. And so where it came down for me was trying to be um, and facilitate um, lawyers being better trusted advisors and that relationship being better and using data to do it. Because one of the interesting learning experiences was when, when clients would go, why can't my lawyers answer this question? Aren't they experts? That's when you come across the data problem. And it's actually, that's the core of what we do is solve a data problem, but it is epic in law. And if you're not willing to go down that journey and think about data and, and better answers and business answers for your client, now you're just a lawyer. And yeah. we, we, need, we need lawyers to be, clients need their lawyers to be more than that. 
Yeah. Well, I'd like to talk through a little bit about what the steps are in the process. And I think getting to that question, I hear so much high level discussion about, oh, we have lots of data. We have so much data in law. And it's like, well, but until you start working with it, you won't find out if it's the right data or what the quality of the data is. And my concern is a lot of the data that we think yes. we have, we can do something with is not going to be all that valuable. But, you know, let's walk through that process about thinking like if you're when you work with a corporate legal department, how do you start acquiring data? How does that process actually kind of move forward usually? The point you just made, I, I sometimes call data debt. We as an industry have not been particularly rigorous about data management practices. And that means we have a lot of it, but a lot of times it doesn't tell you anything. And so that process of turning that big unstructured mess into actionable insight is a fairly significant process. Um, and sometimes it takes um, some change management. So let's talk about how we engage with, with um, corporate legal departments. The first thing to understand about what we do I think this is important for anybody who is working with law firms and legal departments is be a partnership, not just a platform. There's not, no one size fits all. So the first step is a conversation, a conversation about what the goals are, an understanding of um, the objectives, because a legal department has many different stakeholders with different objectives, and it's best when they're all aligned. So legal procurement wants one thing, legal operations wants another thing, the in-house counsel wants something else. How do we align all of those objectives and use data to do it? So that's that's step one. And just to give an example of what we've seen law, law departments do now, right now they're looking for the right partners to be on this journey, this challenging journey with them and use data to understand who has been doing right by them from a business perspective. Um, so all the stakeholders coming together within legal departments to really review their panels and use data to make better decisions about who their partners should be going forward. So that's sort of one scenario. So step one, understand their objectives. Step two is the data analytics part. So we look at uh, historical data and we run our algorithm on it coming from the, the e-billing system. And we do data assessments. What is great that your law firms are doing? What is Where is change management needed? Some of that is guideline violations, but we're very, very good at getting blood from a stone. So we can generally um, create benchmarks and maps of what happened in the past based on that data. So that gives them insight that they can use to have different conversations around costs with their, with their law firms. And when that garage is added, they have a, a, an understanding of what that should cost them. So they can make better decisions based on historical data. But once that data is actionable, and I'm going to define that in a minute, there are opportunities for improvement. And so sometimes the conversation is, here's what happened in the past. How do we move you from what matters did, should cost, uh, did cost to what they should cost? So when data is actionable, and by that I mean task level, well-labeled, so you can see value, you can see staffing, you can see efficiency, accurately and consistently coded, so it tells you the truth, and connected to context, that why behind the numbers, now you can really visualize where the areas are for process improvement. And they partner with their law firms to move past what matters did cost to what they should cost. 
And we also work with them on creating predictive pricing models um, at high levels, at um, very, very granular templates levels that are process maps. Um, because when you have solved the data problem, when you have actionable data, you, the number of questions you can answer is almost limitless. So the engagement varies depending on the needs of the customer, but data is at the heart of everything we do. Well, I like what you said about moving to the process improvement part of this. Tell me, like, why is that important and how does that add value? Embedded in certain business models are challenges or, or under-delegation is one of the um, great examples. So lean principles suggest that you use the lowest cost resource um, capable of doing the work. And helping clients see who is doing that, actually finding the ones who are, are doing right by them, but also helping clients see, you know, there are opportunities for you to have a conversation with your law firm about staffing and move forward in a more positive way. Um, and we can show that to them because it's very, very clear in the data when the data is, is actionable. But you know, the business models of the past, I've been in this industry for a long time, and I won't even acknowledge those dates, uh, but a very long time, you know, starting from when you could write um, four services rendered, uh, you know, $1 million. Uh, uh, it just doesn't work that way. The business models need to evolve. And having uh, visibility into where those opportunities are is really, really, really important. Buried in a lot of those in opaque, impenetrable bills are a lot of opportunities to do better, be more profitable as from a law firm's perspective, but also deliver more value for less money. Well, I want to continue talking about delivering greater value and these questions about delegation of work and how that might relate to diversity, inclusion, things like that. But before we continue jumping into these uh, questions in our interview with Catherine Crow, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. Increase productivity and profitability through Acumas.com. Acumas provides cost-effective and reliable annuities management while keeping customer satisfaction at the helm of the action. With 40 years of excellence in the field of IP renewals, Acumas understands how quickly annuities can become burdensome for clients who would prefer their focus elsewhere. Contact info at Acumas.com or visit Acumas.com to discover how you can benefit from a management solution tailored to your needs. Hey law firms, getting paid is fantastic, but dealing with accounts receivable is such a pain. What if there was a better way? Enter Headnote, an industry-leading compliant e-payments and AR automation system. Their unique blend of features cuts through the noise and helps you get paid 70% faster. Skip the paper checks, spreadsheets, and awkward calls to overdue clients. Get paid faster with less effort. Visit headnote.com for more information. And we're back. Thank you for joining us. We're with Catherine Crow, the founder and CEO of Digitory Legal. Catherine, we're talking about using data analytics and, and pricing and measuring value. One of the questions I have in this whole discussion, I've been doing a little bit of research lately about this lack of kind of standard definitions of quality and value that we have in the industry. And I mean, that makes it, I mean, there are a lot of obstacles I think that presents, but the delegation question, even if we don't know the quality of work, right, if we don't have good metrics for measuring quality, 
how do we make sure the work actually is getting to the right people and producing the greatest value? I mean, what do we need to do in that space still? And, and what kind of maybe creative things are you seeing law firms and their, their clients do to really come up with better measures of quality and value and service delivery? We're definitely seeing corporate legal departments standardize their metrics and weight them. Um, so finding out from their their side what is important. And you the metrics tend to fall into you know, practice of law, so industry expertise, client um, centricity, uh, are they giving us the best quality of people and and um, responding well, and also cost management. So you'll see different metrics being used, but they tend to fall into these buckets. But one of the biggest challenges, I think, is that law firms and legal departments aren't communicate on the same page about the importance of these different metrics. So I saw a, a survey, survey recently, which was fascinating to me, where the core values around what, what, what is important to the buyer, the same nine or 10 things falling into these three buckets were, were weighted by and ranked by the buyers and by the, by the sellers. And there's a disconnect. For example, um, law firms think prior relationship is a lot more important to um, the buyers of legal, legal services than buyers do. Law firms think cost management is less important than it is. So I think that you know, the metrics that there should be, there are publications out there that talk about this is what we're measuring on. These are the questions we're asking and they're starting to sound very similar and they do fall into these buckets. What is not being communicated is how important it is, where the waiting is for clients. Clients don't care if you're doing CLEs. They're a lot less important than um, perhaps law firms realize. Clients care a lot more about cost management than they may be communicating to their law firms. So we have a lot to do as an industry on getting our buyers and sellers of legal services on the same page. Uh, law firms are constantly going, what do you want? And, and clients are tired of hearing it, but clients need to be communicating what's important to them and what they're scoring on in very, very clear ways. And by the way, that brings us back to diversity. I do believe and am seeing that clients care more about this than law firms realize. And this is an issue that they haven't let go of. And that is easy for law firms to lose sight of in times of crisis. So I want to circle back to that because that's a metric that is growing in importance on the um, client side. Well, tell us about that. I mean, I think that one of the the things that I saw when I was in practice is that this data could be really valuable as far as figuring out the right kind of teams to put together. Um, also making sure that in the training of, of attorneys, making sure they are getting the right kind of experiences and, and real substantive experiences that, that they needed, right? Not just some sort of check the box exercise. But then now what are you kind of then seeing, I guess, the way law firms are using the kind of data you can, excuse me, corporate legal departments are using kind of the, the, your data to really hold their law firms accountable to get to to reach the goals they've set in this space. Yeah. So one of the the things that happens when you turn data into the truth, you make it actionable. And and I think I need to discuss the data problem a little bit so so people the listeners understand why this is so hard. Yeah, so right. yes. The data problem is 
I, I go back to the construction analogy. So we're sitting on a lot of billing data, but it has been coded, if at all, at a very, very high level, inconsistently and wrong. So if you think about it um, with the construction analogy, it's like it's like being able to see the cost of a house, but having no idea how many bedrooms or bathrooms there are or square feet or what city it's in or if the basement was finished. And then somebody coded all your plumbing as drywall. So not only does it not tell you anything useful, if you try to use it, it will lie to you. It will tell you all the wrong things. So what um, Digitory does is transform that into the truth and break it down. And when we do create actionable insight from that jumbled mess, you can see what lawyers are actually doing. And that means you can assess work allocation. One of the greatest challenges in advancing diverse attorneys is unfair allocation of work. Less, op less opportunity to get career advancing assignments and a disproportionate doing the lion's share of work that while valuable is not going to get you made equity partner. And so when we do data analytics, one of the things that we look at is, all right, now that we have unpacked this jumbled mess and we're telling you who is doing what and you can trust the coding, what is happening? Are you seeing fairness or are you seeing senior women doing lower level work than their, their male counterparts. And data can actually show you in black and white what is really going on. And when you see it, you can fix it. And it's very, very, very important to be looking at not just qualitative anecdotal information, but truly looking at data, because when it's there in black and white, that's when change can happen. And what do you think? Are we seeing enough law firms then that are using this data to then to be able to make better decisions? Because, I mean, I think there's there are a lot of initiatives underway where, where people at least say they're trying to do these things. Now, maybe we could say some of it's just lip service and maybe people aren't really committed to it. But part of the problem is even people who are really committed to this, having the data to, to make good decisions is, is, a, is a huge obstacle. Yeah, to really make change in, in law firms, and you've heard me say this before, Dan, I think people, process, and technology need to work together. And when they do work together, the magic can happen. So I do believe that law firms are committed to this. You can see this in the Move the Needle Fund. You can see this in mm -hmm. the power of Diversity Lab, the, the message that has been amplified and we're part of amplifying around what happened to diversity and inclusion in 2008, and just to put some data around that, wiped out in the blink of an eye, 20 years of work towards diversity and inclusion was wiped out in that recession. And just one piece of data, 16% um, of the equity partners at that time were women. They represented 50% of the equity partner layoffs. So some very bad things happened. That cannot happen again. And I think there's a recognition from law firms represented by Move the Needle Fund and the, the contributions that are being made, that that can't happen anymore. You see more equitable approaches to handling the recession, but you know more can be done. And so if you combine people, process, and, and technology, we can actually really move the needle. Uh, one example, you need people, just talking about what we do, data, you need people to understand why it's important to write down in their narrative what they're doing. 
it matters. There's only so much you can do if you wrote down attention to matter and that's all anybody can see. So no one can help you if you don't help yourself. Process. Somebody has to have defined what career advancing work is and what those proportions are, be monitoring this and go back and intervene. And technology, data like ours that shows you what's actually happening, not what people coded, not what is truly happening, who is taking expert, this kind of expert deposition, who is arguing motions uh, and who is writing checklists that kind of black and white information, but it all has to work together. And when it does, Dan, that's when change, that's when real change can happen. Well, just to go back to when you're talking about the, the, the data problem part of this then too. So part of the problem is, is not coding things properly. Surprise, surprise. Like if, if, you know, people tend to err on calling it analysis or something more sophisticated <laughs> than what it is maybe sometimes. And, um, you know, so that's, that's a problem, but then also even, so you're figuring out how to use narratives to figure out yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. And then that puts some pressure, though, too, on writing better narratives and actually training attorneys to understand why writing those narratives uh, is important and and in their long-term self-interest as well, right? Because this can contribute to a virtual virtuous cycle where we better understand the work. Maybe we can even get away from billable hour to figure out a fixed fee arrangement where, gee, the revenue goes down, but profitability can go up. I mean, is this now is this just pie in the sky or do you, can you point to something that Yes, we can start showing more people that, okay, if the law firms do the right thing, we get a better handle on the work, that it can be win-win outcomes. It absolutely can be win-win. So, you know, I think because of the way, lawyers will never code things right. And we do, we automate that for them because frankly, figuring out what code set, um, and now clients are creating their own code sets, it's just incredibly time consuming and burdensome and they're not data scientists. So a lot of what we do is automate that miserable process so that you have consistency and accuracy in the coding. Another part of what we do is change management. And this is one of the greatest things I have seen. You hear a lot about how lawyers won't change. I don't think that's true. I think if you make it clear why they should change, mm -hmm. they do. And we've seen amazing, amazing change in behavior because somebody took the time to explain how this is going to increase the realization, keep them out of bill review, and make sure that they're scoping better, make their lives better. So change management is part of it. We can do amazing things with technology, but investing in the process and the people and explaining, that's there too. And when you have really great data and you have the ability to understand what things should cost and to see um, what they, they should cost, you can get to activity-based alternative fee arrangements, which I think are, are state-of-the-art and are really fair. I could always live with, maybe I miscalculated how much a deposition would cost. What I couldn't live with was thinking there would be five, and it turned out there were 55. That's the challenge. So material change orders, transparency, process improvement, all of these things, data on top of that to facilitate all of that. It all works together so that you have a happier client and a more profitable engagement. Yeah. Well, I, I love the idea that lawyers may be more 
open the change than than we think. I mean, we know that it's tough to crack into this, including if, if a firm is very profitable, for example. On the other hand, I think we talk a lot in this innovation space about empathy, but yet we're really quick to call the lawyers Luddites who won't, you know, millionaires who won't change. It's like, well, wait a second. Well, I thought we we're supposed to have empathy. And so, I mean, of course, like, so understanding what do they really care about? What are their pain points? How do we how do we actually have that connection with them? But um, I don't, so I'd like to dive into that and then also talk a little bit about we see law firms and legal departments hiring data scientists and think about, you know, where is this going in the future? What kind of skills do lawyers need to have? But before we continue our interview with Catherine Crow, we're going to take just another quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. Trying to cut costs? You're not alone. In today's climate, a five-figure e-discovery bill per month is steep. Don't pay that. Use Logical to reduce expense and control your discovery process. Get started today for only $250 per matter, and they'll waive migration costs from competing platforms. For more information, visit Logical.com LTN. That's Logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash L-T-N. And we're back. Thank you for joining us. We're with Catherine Crow, the founder and CEO of Digitory Legal. Catherine, we've been talking about using data analytics in the pricing phase and to get a better handle on the work to be done. You know, one of the things I'm really interested, I think we've got a lot of different things that are siloed in the legal space. And, and there are some people who are looking at kind of like making predictions in substantive legal matters, predicting the success of motions, things like that. What you're doing, I think, will be really interesting information that could help determine, you know, who who's the right person to do the work. You could start getting insights on how do you put together teams to be more successful. Of course, those are all things that have impact on outcomes as well, right? So I think one of the many things that's exciting in this space is start thinking about how can all these things start fitting together better and we can start using data really kind of across the board to get, you know, better better outcomes for, for the client. Um, I mean, where do you kind of see things going? I do see um, all of these pieces fitting together. There's, in fact, we have a customer that combines what we do with another legal analytics product to combine pricing with um, cycle times. And, you know, do we want this motion for summary judgment because this particular judge has X percent? And so they're advising clients combining outcome analytics with pricing analytics. And so all of these things do fit together. We are seeing a number of law firms hiring data scientists uh, and some interesting things going on also in the business development space. If you have great data sets about what leads have worked, like what, what has worked and what hasn't. I've just heard a presentation on um, by a data scientist at a large firm did incredible work automating some of the business development site uh, processes. So the key to um, data scientists being successful as well as is the quality of the data. So, you know, one of the things that we do is give back enriched, well-labeled, accurately coded task level data with attributes around the matters. So data scientists can be empowered to be as successful as possible in putting all of the pieces together, the practice of law, the business of law, outcome prediction. I see great things happening, but I do think that we as an industry and lawyers in particular need to take that moment to understand why this is important and why the, they should be thinking about the exhaust that they're putting off, the data that they're putting off. 
Well, thinking about this and, and, you know, sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm not going to be the data scientist. I can just hire someone to do that for me. And I, I worry that that's not an approach that's going to work. In fact, my bet is that we need to train lawyers to understand these things, not to be the data scientists, but to understand how data can be used, to ask the right questions, to, to work as part of a team with other professionals. And, and so my bet would be on training law students in quantitative analysis so they can work with data scientists, I mean, in the fanciest of firms down to, um, I shouldn't say down to, but like in the fanciest of firms, corporate legal departments, legal aid organizations, right? We need to use data in all these places. And if the lawyers don't have an understanding of data, they won't get quality results from using the data. And, and matter of fact, then we also have to worry about ingraining biases and things like that if they don't actually understand the process. And anyway, I'm I'm leading you maybe too much here, but just tell me <laughs> what do you what do you think? I mean, what what should us we be doing more of this in law schools? And do we need to be training lawyers more about data, how to use data responsibly and effectively? I think this uh, this comes back to we need to be training lawyers to be more than just lawyers. I think that the market requires more skills than just the ability to craft an argument, and this is this is all part of it. So understanding why it is important that work is tracked, that data is created in a clean way, how that is being used, respecting the allied business professionals and understanding all of the ways they are going to help you succeed in your career. All of this starts at law school and should continue throughout. Whether you call it Delta model, T-shaped lawyers, it's important that we start changing the way that we train lawyers to think so that they're going to be successful going forward in a market that demands legal service delivery, not just legal practice, but a full range of skills. And data is one of them. If you don't understand how it's going to be used, that's going to be a disadvantage to you. That is great to hear. And I think there are some great opportunities. And I, I would agree completely that it kind of falls across the board. You know, one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask that's kind of related through this to the to the times we find ourselves in right now, the COVID-19 times, is that, you know, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, we're never going to go back. Things are irrevocably changed. I worry a little bit that we don't but that we don't have enough people in the legal industry who really kind of have a vision for the future and what things could look like for it, what we should be aiming, where we should be trying to go. And I think people maybe underestimate the ability of lawyers to like when this crisis is over that we could just go back, could go back to the way things were in the past. So I guess kind of in this space, I mean, I don't know what you would kind of think about, you know, how might you, what might you say, like, we should be aiming for, right? Like, how should we be thinking about the ways we use data and these relationships between the, the, the customers and then the, and the, and the lawyers and what our North Star ought to be, I guess, guiding us and thinking about how to, how to do all these things. It's really all about being the best partner you can be to, to your client and understanding that your client has greater needs and then you may be seeing just as, as a practicing lawyer working on a matter. Um, and so if you take a macro view to the needs of your client right now, you're going to be able to position yourself better. So if I want to bring this back to the crisis that we're facing at the moment, I personally believe, and there's some survey data to support this, that there will be 
a tsunami of litigation that will follow onto, onto this. And there is no law firm in the world who is going to be able to say at the beginning of that, hey, I've done 104 COVID cases mm-hmm, because it's mm-hmm. all new. It's also going to be very exciting work. You need to be positioning yourself as the law firm and as the lawyer, as the partner that they select. And to do that means thinking through putting yourself in the shoes of that client. What do they need? They need to know that you are looking at data and processes, that you are doing right for them by a business, um, from a business perspective, that you are not going to dump your diverse lawyers. You are still maintaining the track that that they articulated and are continuing to articulate is, is important to them. You are coming to them proactively to say, this is what we see for you and how it is going to affect your business. You are thinking about what challenges they are facing financially and getting creative about risk sharing and alternative fee arrangements. All of these things to position yourself, to differentiate yourself, to be the right partner as your clients navigate what is going to be some of the toughest years they've ever faced. They need the right partners to do that. And those partners have thought about the macro view. And that includes data. Well, in in that kind of in that framing, we're coming to the close of our time. So I think we probably have time for one more question. And so I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this, just kind of like thinking when I was still practicing, there was a lot of talk about the general counsels now would become kind of like the general contractor to use the analogy you were using before and that they would figure out, well, when do I use which law firm? When might I use an alternative legal services rider? When I might I use the big four or a legal tech company? I guess maybe my bias having practiced before that I kind of always thought, well, why wouldn't it be the lawyer in the law firm that is actually best positioned to be able to do that? Now, if you really have this trusted relationship with the client, I mean, um, that that you really kind of know the landscape, you know who to get, how to get the work to the right person inside the law firm, when to go to people outside of the law firm and things like that. And I mean, to what extent does the data that you're gathering help answer that question? I mean, do you have data that might suggest the way the marketplace is playing out and in, in which party is actually best positioned to kind of be the general contractor kind of of the legal matter? This goes back to the process improvement and, and um, where the opportunities are to reduce costs without without sacrificing quality. And that piece, without sacrificing quality, does matter. Outcomes matter. But um, one of the things that you can see with, with data is where there is an opportunity for an alternative legal service provider. And a true trusted partner, really a true trusted partner, is a law firm that um, is looking for those opportunities and will outsource or get creative with insourcing to maximize those efficiencies without ever compromising quality. And so forming their own relationships with alternative legal service providers, um, negotiating deals with them so that they are outsourcing rather than throwing overly expensive, you know, first and second year associates at it. Or if they are for the training opportunity, absorbing enough of the cost so that that makes sense from a financial perspective. But it all comes down, Dan, to trust and that relationship and building that trust and using data to show that you're you're delivering value and where you are as a trusted partner, not always taking the, the cheap buck, but doing what's right for, for your client in the long run. And data can help you prove that and it can help you facilitate that. 
Catherine, this has been a great conversation. I think next time I have to invite you back for like a four-hour fireside <laughs> chat, and then maybe we can actually cover all the things I want to cover. But um, thank you so much for joining us. And before we wrap up, can you just tell our listeners how they can follow your work? I know you're on Twitter, and what other ways might they be able to see what you're doing and, and contact you? I am on Twitter at Digitory Legal or at CM Crow. That's uh, C M K R O W. You can follow follow me there. Um, you can always check out our blog on our website, and we have a Pricing Matters podcast where we interview industry thought leaders on um, pricing and project management. And we recently had Diversity Lab on. Um, so you can find that on our website at digitorylegal.com. And your listeners are always welcome to email me at uh, ccrow at digitorylegal.com. I look forward to hearing from you and staying in touch. Thank you again, Catherine. My pleasure, Dan. Always great to talk to you. This has been another edition of Law Technology Now on the Legal Talk Network. Please take a minute to subscribe and rate us in Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Linna. Please follow me, retweet links to this episode, and join the legal innovation and technology discussion online. And join us next time for another edition of Law Technology Now. I'm Dan Linna, signing off. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.